0: Love Talk Radio. Listen to me. This is a new dimension in sound. From Cavalier basketball. LeBron watching
1: with seven, with six, with five. Who else but LeBron? LeBron to the circle, unloads. Got it! I think he prefers a key. To Indians baseball. Swung
0: in and belted. To deep
2: left. Away. Back. Goal.
1: To Brown's football. Back in
2: the pocket. Steps up. Goes into the end zone. Up high. Bail up. up it, Touchdown.
1: This is the waitingfornextyear.com podcast.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig here. Uh, this, is, this is the waitingfornextyear.com podcast. The music is still very loud as it fades away here. I'm here today with DP and uh, the newest writer for waitingfornextyear.com, Todd Derry. How's it going, Todd?
2: Alright, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be aboard.
0: Good deal. Um so we're gonna talk we're gonna spend the entire podcast today talking about the tribe. I you know it's a little bit early. We've got about a month until Pitchers and Catchers report, but we thought we'd get an early jump on the season. It it appears like the uh the tribe might be done with their off season moves. Um what do you think so far? Uh I'll start with you, uh Todd. What do you think so far of the off season moves?
2: I got to tell you, you know, last off season the Indians stood pat. They did nothing, um, you know, except for signing Masa Kobayashi and deciding to go with the uh, the great idea of the left field platoon of David DeLucci and Jason Michaels. I think that uh, it's an odd year, and Mark Shapiro learned last uh, last off season that you know you can't stand pat when you're you're, you're on the cusp. You got to do something. We had we had three holes to fill. And he filled off three by getting Kerry Wood, Mark DeRosa, and Carl Pavano. Uh, I love what they've done. I'm actually, if you would say who has the best offseason so far in the major leagues, I mean, obviously you're going to say the Yankees won, but they're in another stratosphere. But you've you got to say the Indians. You really do. I, I love what they did.
0: So, and Mr. Parker, what do you, what do you think? Do you, do you agree that the Indians would be number two if, if you were looking at the entire major leagues? I, I'm on board for, for loving the moves. I I think
1: when you look at when they really started playing well last year, it was when their bullpen kind of fell in line. And I think the Kerry Wood signing is probably, you know, one of the biggest in terms of if it allows them to just kind of structure their bullpen from day one and not have to worry about who's going to close and who's going to set up. And, you know, if you can actually count on guys like Wood instead of uh, our good friend, Joe Borowski. Um, I think that's going to go a long way because, I mean, they've always had the good starting pitching and, you know, they've managed to score, but they could, you know, they had trouble holding leads last year and, you know, so I think that, that is the biggest move in terms of, you know, around the league, you know, obviously the Yankees, but, you know, like Todd said, they're, they're playing with Monopoly money, so you can't really lump them in. I think the Red Sox have, you know, are, are sort of panicking and trying to, to catch up, um. But you know, I'm not exactly bowled over by John Smoltz at this point in his career. So, uh, you know, if the Indians aren't number two, they got to be in the discussion. I mean, I've always been an outspoken uh, anti Casey Blake guy. So the fact oh, that they yeah. somebody,
0: brought somebody brought somebody in with, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: The fact that they brought somebody in who is that type of player, but is not Casey Blake, just makes me happy on its you know out of hand. So.
2: Are you sure we weren't uh, separated twins at birth? Because I mean, Literally, what you just said about a guy like Casey Blake, but it's not Casey Blake, I mean, that's like, you know, that's, that's my credo. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I've never been, I mean, my, my original tribe blog that I wrote for last year was dumpcaseyblake.com. I mean, I literally couldn't stand the guy. But uh, getting back to Kerry Wood, because that was uh, where we were going, I couldn't agree more. You build the bullpen from the back up, but isn't it uh, back forward? But isn't it nice that we finally have a strikeout guy back there rather than a soft tossing nibbler who uh, has to get over on his guts and hopefully they're going to hit the ball uh, right at our guys. I mean, we we haven't really had a strikeout closer since Jose Mesa, and you know, as as much as we all can't stand him for ninety seven, in ninety five the guy was as unhittable as it gets. And uh, that that's the kind of closer that would ho- hopefully can be. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying he's going to go 45 for 47, but I'll I'll take a guy who you know if, he might put a couple guys on base, but you know what? He's going to deliver the big strikeout when we need it. That that's something we just haven't had in our bullpen uh, since Mesa. So, and and you got in front of him with with Bar- uh, Betancourt and Perez and Lewis and Joe Smith now. Uh you're, you're just, you're, you're very, very deep. I, I You know, I really, really am excited about the potential for this bullpen.
0: Well, and I, and I think one of the things that you have now is even if Amasa Kobayashi never lives up to the contract he signed, if he doesn't do anything, at least now they've got the depth of options so that they're not all in on that one guy. Um, something that DP said, though, uh, about Carl Pavano and saying how, you know, in terms of the Red Sox, he wasn't really excited about uh, about a John Smoltz. Um, I I, I kind of go back to Carl Pavano, and, and I, I know that he was a bargain at 1.5 million, and it's a gamble, it's a risk, it's the kind of it's a it's a Mark Shapiro move from top to bottom. But it seems to me that there were some other you know gambles like that available that the, like the Red Sox pulled off with Brad Penny or John Smoltz. Do you have a sense for why Mark Shapiro was more interested in somebody like Pavano rather than Smoltz or Brad Penny? Did it just come down to the extra three and a half million guaranteed dollars? Uh, I I, I think so. I mean, I I think that if
1: you if you told me you know you're basically going to have the guy for one year either way, would you rather spend five million on him or one and a half? I mean, you know, Shapiro is kind of over the barrel when it comes to the money, and you know, like you said, he's had some success. He he caught lightning in a bottle with Millwood the one year. And even a guy like Bobby Howery had, you know, he'd had arm surgery and arm problems and it bounced around and, you know, they kind of signed him as sort of an afterthought. And the next thing you know, he's, you know, one of the best set up guys in the league one year and then he's gone. So, you know, like you said, it's a, it's totally a Shapiro move in terms of, you know, whether it would be better to have, you know, one versus the other. I mean, I'm sure in terms of, of, Track record over the last few years, you'd rather have Smoltz, but you know they both got arm problems. So, you know, I say probably Shapiro thinking is probably yeah, it's cheaper, and and, and I'm you know, I'm okay with that. I feel like you know the Indians have enough young guys that I think he's just trying to shield you know some of them from having to you know accept the mantle of being like a number three starter right out of the right out of the gates.
2: So I would say he chose Pavano over Smoltz. First of all, I don't think Smoltz had any interest in coming here to be honest. I have no idea if they even attempted to, to get in touch with his agents or, or whatever, but Smoltz has been a, a one team in his career guy. He wants to play for the ring. I think that he was going to, if he was going to go anywhere else, it was going to be to Boston or New York to get a part of that uh that rivalry and that stage. I just couldn't see him coming backwards and uh, you know, going to the Indians, which which is what it is, to be honest with you. But the reason I think he chose Pavano over a guy like a Freddie Garcia or over a guy like a Chris Benson, Pavano has got a major chip on his shoulder, he was killed in New York for all of his injuries. He clearly didn't handle himself very very well um they even there was one headline I saw you know he sat out for so for so uh for so long they called him the american idol i d l e for all the time he he uh, he, he took off but I think he's coming in with a major chip on his shoulder. He's got a lot to prove, and those are the kind of guys that that Shapiro loves. Those bargain guys, like you said, Bob Howry is a great example. Howry was a guy that we took a chance on. Nobody was really, you know, coming off arm problems. Nobody was really giving him a shot. We we basically turned him into at 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 that time that year. He was one or two top setup men in the American League, and he turned himself into a three-year, twelve million dollar contract with the Cubs, which the Indians. Very well would have done had they known uh, you know, that if they would have done it all over again, they would have given him that same contract, and, and you know he 's still going. He got another uh, deal with the Giants, so I, I, I just think the Pavano was the guy. as for Freddie Garcia um, i don 't think I think Shapiro had him probably next on the list chris, chris Benson 's a guy i don 't understand why anybody would even go near him. at least Pavano has shown and, and Freddie Garcia' has had some great success. Pavano's shown some success, you know he won eighteen games. he pitched in the world Series. um you know he he obviously earned that big contract what What has Chris Benson ever done in his career other than you know marry that hot kooky you know wife of his wife so,
0: <laughs> well yeah, and I was just going to say you you could mass, match up Chris Benson's wife with uh DeRosa's wife and have just a, a a superstar you know uh players' wives club Wait a minute, but uh let uh, uh, before people go with
2: you've got to see. Rod Barajas' wife, I, I had a picture on my uh, on my website of of Rod Barajas' wife and DeRosa's wife last week. You, you know Rod Barajas, the catcher, he's like a fat slob. You should see <laughs> yeah. the woman he pulled. It was unbelievable. Okay, sorry, go ahead.
1: What I was just going to say, right. it wasn't Carl Pavano with uh, what's-her-face? Who's the boss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, know and she's and married And then she
2: somebody went to Brad Penny now. after Carl Pavano. Yeah,
0: there you go.
2: He likes broken-down pictures that the Indians look at, evidently.
0: <laughs> All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you, Mr. Todd Derry. Um, now that we've kind of established that, uh, you know, if, if Carl Pavano's arm doesn't fall off, he's going to be the number three starter behind Cliff Lee and Fausto Carmona. Now, g- give us uh, I, I know you've thought about this a lot, so give us a sense of, of what you think is going to happen with the fourth and fifth starters, and then uh, after that I'll go to DP for the
2: reaction. I had uh, – last night uh, flipping around, I, I saw on, on Channel 3 – um, that that uh, sports Sunday show they had on uh, Mark Shapiro, and he actually had an interesting. I, I I hadn't heard him come out and say this, but he basically said, if Anthony Reyes is healthy, he's the fourth starter, which I think is a great idea. You know, I, I think that we're getting and Anthony Reyes was great last year before he they shut him down. He had a sore elbow. They could have brought him back. Uh, I think I think he was well enough to go at the end, but they figured why chance it for one start. Um, he was great. He was two and one. He had like a 1.3 ERA. Um, the Indians basically in six stars. It was, it was either I think it was six starts, and he got no run support. Otherwise, he may have been five and one. Um, he was the top pitching prospect in the Cardinal system. People forget that he pitched. He started a game in the World Series against the Tigers a few years back. Uh, I think he's our version of Jeremy Guthrie. You know, he was given up on. Uh, he he was out, He was he ran out of time in that organization. He's now come over to the American League and seems to have found himself. If, if we can get that consistency out of him, that'd be great. Uh, he's a lock for the fourth spot. As for the fifth spot, Shapiro also mentioned he said he thinks that Aaron Laffey is the leader for that fifth spot because of he's had great success in every level uh, that he's pitched with the Indians, uh, single A, double A, triple A, and now uh, with, with the main club. He was at the uh, September of 07, you know, he was the fifth starter. He was terrific. Made made the playoff roster. He pitched. Uh, in, remember in Game Six when the Indians got killed against the Red Sox, he pitched four and two thirds scoreless one hit ball that saved the bullpen for Game Seven. As we as we know, uh, you know we had to get into it a little bit in Game Seven. But I think Laffy's a guy. I, I like I like how he, uh, he he's a, a ground ball pitcher, which, which um, you know goes well with Fausto. Uh, in, in the mix and the rotation, Cliff Lee's more of a power guy, uh, and, and Reyes also is more of a ground ball pitcher. Uh, and I like the lefty factor. You remember all those years the Indians used to have the, the big bugaboo about the Indians' lineup—we couldn't hit left-handed pitching. Now, and we and we never had any left-handed starters. Now we have a ton of left-handed starters, and that goes well uh, in our division, especially. You know, you're going to face guys like uh, you know people hate Jim Tomey, but I love him. You're going to face big bats like like Jim told me uh, that you're going to have to get out on uh, regularly. And I I like that Laffy's another left-hander with experience that we can go with.
0: All right, DP, so what do you think? Uh, Any other other people on your radar? I mean, obviously Mark Shapiro thinks he's got his front runners, but who else do you think, who else would you be excited about? I
1: am actually pretty excited about Reyes, too, if he's healthy. I, I agree with Todd. I thought Reyes was solid, and I think that he's one of those proverbial change of scenery guys, and, you know, the pressure is kind of off him now at this point because, you know, there, he's in a new organization with, you know, relatively no expectations compared to where he was, and, you know, his stuff his his stuff looks good. And, and if, you know, if his arm's okay, I, I'm perfectly comfortable with him being my number four guy. Um, I thought Laffey took a pretty good step forward last year. Um, The other guy that I would look at, you know, if Laffey struggles at all would be uh, Scott Lewis. I thought that when Scott Lewis came up, you know, he really had really good command. I mean, he had a couple of starts there to start, you know, when he first got called up where he was, you know, borderline unhittable. And so he's a guy that if his arm's healthy, you know, I would take a long look at him as, uh, you know, maybe the, the 5B starter or your sixth starter, if you will, you know, down at, down at Buffalo. I guess it's Columbus now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, he's a guy like, um, you know, obviously I'm curious to see what happens with Adam Miller. I guess he's not really a starter anymore. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that every year, you know, around this time of year, it's like, Oh, you know, let's talk about Adam Miller and every year something happens to his fingers or his elbow or something. So he's a guy that, I, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, not necessarily in the rotation, but I'm curious to, to see, you know, if they turn him into a reliever, what kind of, uh, what kind of addition he can bring to the table. And then um, Zach Jackson's another guy, at least I'm curious to see how he does in the spring. So those are the guys that I'm I'm kind of looking for. I, you know, I have no beef with, uh, with Reyes and, and Laffey getting those spots. And then I think if one of them were to falter, I think uh, Lewis would be the guy I would go to next.
2: It's nice to have all these options, uh, you know, in depth and not have to worry about, you know, having to get a guy like, a, you know, 97 when we were starting Jeff Juden and Jason Hockamy and, you know, Terry yes. Clark and stuff like that, and, and pictures like that. It's nice to have this depth. I'll tell you, another guy we didn't talk about was David Huff. Uh, Shapiro said on TV last night, he said, this is a guy, and he referred to him as he's a future top of the rotation guy, which is, you know, that's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty bold statement there. And, Scouts have told me uh, from the Indians' point of view, if you ask them where where they are in depth wise, I mean you have all those young guys who are you know either the fourth or fifth starter or going to be at the top of the rotation in Columbus, who uh, you know where where they rank and the the scout told me said Huff is in one category and everybody else is is in another. So I think Jackson, you know it's interesting when they got him he was the throw-in. In, in the uh, CC trade And he, he actually pitched pretty decently You know, you looked up, he was always struggling But he was always in the game at the sixth inning And, you know, maybe allowing a couple of runs I would believe he could be the With, with having, you know, two young guys At the back of the rotation They may keep him around as the extra reliever As a long man spot starter I wouldn't be surprised if that was his that was his role And uh, I had read previously That he was out of options But I, from what I understand, he still has an option left Which gives the Indians a huge advantage there because they probably would have lost him, you know, how everybody stars for left-handed pitchers if he wasn't going to make the team out of out of uh, Goodyear. Isn't that weird to say, out of Goodyear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, well, the, the other
1: thing, you know, you're talking about having a spot starter, you know, obviously in Ohio the weather in April, there's always rain outs and doubleheaders, yeah. so it's always good to have a guy that you can shuttle up from Columbus to make an emergency start if you have to, or if, God forbid, somebody were to get hurt, you know.
2: You know, look at that rotation they're gonna have in Columbus. I mean if you if you if you say that Laffey let's just say Laffey and Reyes are, are out there, you're gonna have Jackson Lewis and Huff right there at the top of the rotation and Jeremy Sowers as well. I mean these are four guys that have I mean Huff Huff's Huff supposedly your top pitching prospect. The other three guys have all had major league experience who are all still relatively young. I mean that's that's terrific depth right there.
1: Yeah, and as and speaking for myself, I'm I was actually uh, talking with uh, Rick from from the website as well. I don't know. I'm getting the, uh at least a 20-game season ticket package for for the the Clippers this year because it's actually the first time in the 10 years I've lived here that I actually care about the Clippers. So yeah. just know, from that standpoint, I'm excited about uh, excited about being able to go down to the new ballpark and
2: uh, you know watch guys that I know every day for you know 10 bucks a ticket. So and that'll be such an exciting team. I mean, the outfield you you know with Laporta and Brantley and Trevor Crow. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be a really a a fun team to watch. One hopes yeah. that STO actually steps up and puts some other programming on there besides Darcy Egan's outdoor stuff twenty times a day on reruns. <laughs>
1: Joe, Joe Thomas has to do something when he's not playing football.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- th- throw us an occasional Columbus Clippers game. Are they going to be the Clippers still?
1: Ah, uh, yes,
0: they still are the Clippers.
2: Yeah, I mean, throw me a Clippers game here and there. Be 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 good to watch those guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about enough with these pitchers. Let's talk about some guys who are actually going to hit the ball.
2: Um first first of of all, they hit the
0: ball. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of hoping they hit the ball, let's start with Travis Hafner. Um and I I'll let you, I'll let you get it started, Todd.
2: I'm a little I mean it's such a he's such an interesting case because I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't believe that he was clean, but you know, there's no coincidence. I, I can't say that it's not a coincidence that uh, his career has gone to the tank when they started to do uh, performance enhancing drug testing. That said, I, I think he tried to battle through a shoulder injury last year and, 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 and be a good team guy and it just didn't work out and they shut him down. And I don't even think that it's his bat. I think it's all in his head. I really do. I think that if he comes up this season and struggles in April, I think it's going to turn into another long struggle for him because I, I think he gets pull-happy. I think when teams started to go to the uh, sh- the uh, shift on him and, and, and put everybody in, in you know the second baseman in, the, in, in right field and the shortstop at second base, I, I think it really got into his head. I really do. And he worries me because he's hands down the most important player on this offense. And if he comes back anywhere close, to the prank of, you know, two thousand five, two thousand and six, we're golden. If he is two twenty with no power, then you got a major hole right in the middle of that lineup. Once again, that we have you know, we we've been dying for a another power guy. Well, you know, he's the guy. He just needs to step up and and, and play. So I don't know what you think, D P.
1: Yeah, I'm I I don't know if I would say it's all in his head. I feel like and maybe this count is in his head. I feel like, you know, like you were saying, he was trying to be a team guy and work through it. It seemed like the one thing you could always count on him, and the reason his average was always so high, is that he would take a walk. Like, they always would throw sliders away, and he would not swing at them. And, you know, whether it's sort of this cumulative effect of, you know, you are talking about he gets pull happy, and there's the whole shift thing. And I think he's just, he was trying to do, you know, he, he signed the contract, he's trying to, you know, to, live up to the contract, and it just looks like he's swinging at pitches that he never used to swing at, and, you know, pitchers are taking advantage of it, and they're getting him out low, and they're getting him out of way, and he's just swinging at a lot of stuff that he never used to swing at, and if, if you know, if he can get that right, if he can get back to the plate discipline that, you know, he had back in 05 and 06 when he was hitting in the 320s and you know, waiting for his pitch and, and you know, not missing it, you know, he's the guy that you know, like you're saying, he makes this a completely different offense. Um, and he also kind of forces them to, you know, make a decision with with Ryan Garko because, you know, at some point somebody's going to have to sit. And if Pronk's hitting, you know, he's your DH. And, you know, I think Victor Martinez is going to play more first base this year with uh, with Shop getting re-signed. And he did so well last year behind the plate, you know, and, and Victor's leg's starting to break down. You, you're going to want to move him to first base as much as possible. So... It would kind of be a good problem to have to actually have, you know, the pronk of old, if you will. But, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30 now, and, and you know, it's it's not a slump when it's going on, you know, 18 months. So, you know, he's got a he, – he's at a big fork in the road, I think. And, you know, the thing that I want to see from him is I want to see him laying off the pitches that he just can't hit.
2: I'll tell you what else is a problem. This is year one of that four-year extension, so – you know, mm-hmm. people forget the extension starts this year, so uh, it behooves him to to get going because you know he's untradable. Let's be honest; it's yeah, not like someone's going to add, add at this contract point. off our hands.
1: So yeah, he's Bobby Higginson at this point with that contract. I mean, that, that's the guy that I always love to make fun of when Detroit signed Bobby Higginson that huge yeah. extension.
2: So that's like John Conkac, and that's a, that's a major league baseball John Conkac contract. <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> I don't know, but you you know you mentioned Ryan Garko. He's another one who who uh, who's key because if we get Ryan Garko that we saw in the second half, terrific. Yeah. If we get the Ryan Garko we get in the first half, then you'll be seeing a lot of Victor Martinez at first base and a lot yeah, of Kelly Chopp at catching.
0: So I I was I was I was
1: hard on Garko the first half because. You know, he was another guy that looked like, you know, he his big thing was that he always had a you know, a pretty compact swing and he just kind of would take the ball where it was pitched and it looked like he was trying to, to do more than he was capable of doing. And then when he finally relaxed and settled in, I mean, the fact that he finished leading the team in RBIs at the end of the year after, you know, where he was at the break, where pretty he was amazing. struggling to hit 200. So, I mean, he's a guy that if, you know, if he picks up from there, you know, at least they have that to fall back on if Hafner does fall on his face.
2: You know, that's a big worry with this team. I mean, most of these guys produced big time when we were way out of it. I mean, I, hey, I, I loved what they did in the second half. The fact that they, they got themselves back to 500 is a true testament to Eric Wedge. But the bottom line is, under the face of the expectations and the bright lights, they were terrible in, in, in yep. April and May and, and June. And they were all tense, and they were all, you know, hitting 220 simultaneously. And uh, you know, once the pressure came off, they all started hitting. So, hopefully, uh, they learned from those mistakes. And, and you know, that's that's one thing. Every Eric Wedge team has started off slowly. So, uh, I, I hope we can get past that finally. Yeah. So now that uh, let's let's talk about the scrap heap a little bit. You know, we
0: touched on uh, Jeremy Sowers, who is still kind of young, but you know, probably at this point can't really count on him. But as as far as position players go, we've got like a Barfield, a Marte, got all these guys who, I mean, what, what are they, what are those guys even thinking coming into spring training at this point?
2: Uh, well, uh, I'll go with uh, you,
0: you first, Todd.
2: Okay, uh, I'll tell you what. If I'm Josh Barfield, I'm spending all winter learning how to play third base and shagging flies in the outfield. He's got. Speed, he's got a good glove there's no reason he shouldn't make himself into a super utility man look at a guy like Damian Easley who's, who was a you know, second baseman all these years for the Tigers and he wasn't very good and then they got rid of him and now he's, he was on the Mets and the Marlins and he made himself into a super utility man and he's playing all different kinds of positions and he's filling in and that, that's what he's got to be at least he's got some sort of potential I, I suppose as a utility man I, Andy Marte is garbage he is not a major league baseball player. Anybody who watched him last year can realize that by now. The guy—is it just me or does that bat look like it's a thousand pounds when he swings it? <laughs> he looks like he's got a—the a, bat's too heavy. It's too long. He's got that long swing. You know, he—he's he, not a player. He—you can cross him off.
0: Uh, yeah, he's not even Russell Brannion.
2: He's not because yeah. at, le, at least you know as it, 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 as bad as Russell. The love muscle, as I like to call him. Every time, he, <laughs> every time he would step to the plate, at least you would think to yourself, wow, if he gets a hold of one, it's gone. What if Marte hit, like three homers? I mean, that that guy's got no stick. But yeah. I still think they could – you never know. There, there could be another scrap heap guy out there that they pick up as a as – uh, I wouldn't mind someone who could play uh, a little outfield. I mean, I suppose what they may do, and what I'd like to see personally, this David DeLucci – that he's hanging around in this roster, you want to talk about a waste of a roster spot. He can't play in the field and he can't hit. So what? Why is he? Other than making four million dollars, there's zero reason that he's still on this roster. That so, I, I I like that Derosa can play some outfield because what I'd like to see is if, if you're going to mix him in a little bit with you know sitting Francisco one day here, sitting Chu one day, put Derosa out there in the outfield, play Jamie Carroll at second base or or third base at least, you know. So, uh, Jamie Carroll did, I mean, I'm not a huge, hey, Jamie Carroll should play every day, but you tell me you, you were you were going to see that, those kind of numbers from him. He hustles, he plays really hard, and he was clutch last year for the Indians. I, I would love to see him get at least, you know, 200 bats for him all day long. 200 bats for David DeLucci, I don't sign up for, but I think that there could be another, another guy out there, you know, waiver wire kind of guy, I don't know who that may be, I'd have to do a little research, but... You don't. You're obviously. You're not going to have Brantley up here. You're not going to have Crow up here because these guys need to play every day. So you're looking more, or or a guy like Val Buena, I think they want to play every day down, down in Columbus. But they need one more guy because to me, having DeLucci and uh, and a Barfield slash Marte is basically two worthless guys on the bench.
0: Yeah, know? and we have. Uh, and just be- before I go to you, DP, we've got about two minutes left. So. Um, if you want to give me a, a minute, minute and a half, what do you think of the scrap heap? Um, the
1: when I think of Barfield, the the name that I think of that I would like to see him uh, become, and uh, you know, Todd was talking about him playing the outfield. A.C. Blake. Uh, uh, no, well, well, that would make it easy for me there to not go. like him. No, I was thinking a uh, uh, Bill Hall in Milwaukee because I remember when that guy first you know, was kind of cutting his teeth. I had him on one of my fantasy teams, and the reason I had him was that you could play him at, like, four different positions, because he played everywhere in the infield, and he played everywhere in the outfield.
2: Oh, uh, there's nothing better and, than a multiple position guy in fantasy baseball.
1: That's right, a little flex guy, so... <laughs> you know, it, it, And he hit. He was hitting over 300. so, I mean, if, if Barfield, you know, th- I think Barfield's issue is, you know, he needs that bath. Last year, he, you know, he got hurt at a pretty much unfortunate time for him, and you know, once as Drupal Cabrera came back, there was no way that Barfield was going to be playing. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, I, I would almost, you know, rather they kind of stick him in the super, super sub role. But, you know, at the same time, you got to have guys that can produce. So I think he's kind of at the end of his, you know, proverbial end of his rope. Um, I don't care if I never see Marte in an Indian's uniform, you know, regardless of, of farm team level ever again. I mean, you know, in, in terms of my mind, the, the Coco Crisp deal was for Kelly Shopik, So, And we'll you, just, did, we'll and you do that trade that all day right on.
2: now, right? Kelly Shopik for Coco Crisp all day. Well, oh, the
1: yeah. Coco Crisp, Crisp now or the Coco Crisp when we traded him? <laughs>
2: even, even then. Even yeah. the guy then. I still think we're getting the better end of that deal.
1: I think we are, too, I think, at this point. I would agree with that. Um, in terms of the outfield, yeah, I'm, I've never been a big DeLucci guy. I, I just don't like platoons in general and so I was never really on board for the whole Michaels, you know, Delucci platoon. I wanna see you know, I wanna see Chu and Francisco, you know, as much as possible, because 'cause I'd like to see if Chu really can continue to do what he was doing last year in the second half.
2: So
0: Yeah, well and at least before you have anti- to anti utility. The... <laughs> at least <laughs> at,
2: yeah, before he goes to least... the military, is that what you were gonna say?
0: <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. And that's uh that's gonna be the end of the show. Thanks to Todd, thanks to Dan um, this has been the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast, and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Strike three, called ball game. This has been the WaitingForNextYear.com
1: podcast. For complete coverage of the Browns, Indians, Cavaliers, and all your Cleveland teams, log on to WaitingForNextYear.com.
2: Contact us on the Internet. Thank you, and good day.